Guys, before we get into today's episode, I have a really important announcement I want to make sure you do not miss. March is going to be a really exciting month in the Primal Potential universe, and I wanted you to be the first to know that I am hosting a completely free training on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You do need to register, and the easiest way for you to do that is to just find me on Instagram and message me with the word tips, T-I-P-S, tips, and I'll send you the link to register. Otherwise, I'm going to make a point to put it in the show descriptions, but message me tips. It'll go to you automatically. Get in touch with me in any way you can if you want that link to register, and for some reason you can or can't figure out how to message me with the word tips, but that's going to be the easiest way because here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we want to be able to do intuitively, automatically, without so much hard work and effort. But to get to the point where you're doing it intuitively and as a matter of habit, you've got to do it intentionally. And that comes with a lot of challenges, whether those challenges are our own excuses, our fears of failure, All of the past times we've tried and failed that make us doubt that we can do it, or maybe it's social situations that pull us away from our goals. I want to walk you through a process of creating your own personal protocol that takes into account all of the unique factors about you, your preferences, your lifestyle, your most common excuses, your fears and your doubts. And I want to take you through that process live in a format where I can answer your questions in real time. And we're going to be doing that on this free training that again is Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Message me the word tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll automatically send you that link so it can happen really fast. You don't have to wait on my reply. That's the best and easiest way. I'll also, moving forward, make a point to put the link in the show description, but I really want you to be there. It is live. You do have to register. It is Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Mark your calendar. Make sure to register. I also have some pretty exciting announcements Maybe the most exciting things that have happened in Primal Potential in the last almost 10 years or coming up on 10 years, I really want you to be there. Message me the word tips. I'll automatically kick you that registration link. If for some reason you can't do that, send a smoke signal, flag me down, find a way to get in touch with me. I want you to be there. Mark your calendar now, and I will plan to see you for that live training Thursday, March 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Today is going to be an awesome episode. I get excited about every episode, but today we're talking about how drama is holding you back 
and how to have less drama in your own thoughts. Certainly also in your interactions with other people, but it is drama in our own thoughts. The things that we invent, that we assume, that are really getting in the way of our health, our progress, and our happiness. And this is especially true of the drama you don't even realize you are creating. I know that this is going to be a really great tool for you to move to the next level of progress, of consistency, of motivation, and of connection with yourself and with other people. Before we get into that, I have gotten at least 12, 15 emails in the last three days about Peely Nuts. I mentioned them a couple weeks ago on the podcast because Thrive Market made them available. They hadn't previously been available. Peely Nuts, P-I-L-I, and now they're out of stock, but they will be back soon. So since I've gotten a handful of questions in a concentration of a few days about Peely Nuts, I just wanted to take two minutes to talk about them, to answer these questions that keep hitting my inbox, because I really believe that if one person is asking the question, a thousand people want to hear the answer. And so in this case, we've got a bunch of questions coming in all on the same topic. What are Peely Nuts? Why do I eat them? What do they taste like? Will they be back on Thrive Market? Et cetera, et cetera. Peely Nuts are a nut and they are the highest in fat. They're higher in fat than macadamia nuts. Typically, we think of macadamia nuts as the highest fat content of nuts. That's probably true if we look at what's conventionally available in a grocery store. Macadamia nuts are certainly higher in fat and lower in carbohydrate than almonds, than pistachios, than cashews. Peely nuts are not usually found in grocery stores, and that is why I was so excited to find them on Thrive Market. They have been available on Amazon, but they're more expensive on Amazon. So Peely Nuts are higher in fat than macadamia nuts and also lower in carbohydrate. They're very rich in flavor, not strong in flavor. I find them really mild, but rich in like their butteriness, their creaminess. So they are crunchy, but when you bite into them, they very quickly become more creamy and smooth and buttery than any other nut you've probably had before. And their richness is one of the reasons that I really like them Yes, I love that they're very nutrient-dense. Yes, I love that they are a complete protein, meaning that they contain all of the essential amino acids, building blocks of protein. But what I probably like most about them is that their richness keeps me from wanting to overeat them. You know how there are some things that after you have just a little bit, you're like, I'm good, whereas other things you can desire to keep going and going and going and going. Like almonds are like that for me or cashews. I could keep going for a pound of nuts and never feel like, oh, geez, I need to stop. I might have the knowledge in my head like, yeah, I definitely don't need more of these. But the desire continues. And I really love it when the flavor is on point and the richness doesn't make me want to eat more, keeps me from wanting to eat more. My food philosophy, as you've probably heard me mention a million times before, unless you're newer to the show, is in part that I eat foods I love that love me back. And with other nuts, 
sometimes they don't love me back because of the way my body handles them metabolically and or they don't love me back in that they don't fill me up. Almonds, for example, are both. I don't metabolize almonds really well and also they don't fill me up. I could have 20 handfuls of almonds and if the container is open next to me, (laughs) I wouldn't hesitate in going to number 21 from a satiety standpoint. For those reasons, I don't eat almonds very regularly. And same thing with cashews. So when I say I eat foods I love that love me back, I want to love the way it tastes and also love the way it makes me feel. So if something loves me back, that means it doesn't make me feel tired. It doesn't trigger my cravings. It doesn't upset my stomach or cause bloating. Loving me back means that it's aligned with my goals and or I'm eating it in a way that is aligned with my goals. Because I could say, oh yeah, peely nuts are aligned with my goals and then eat them in a way that isn't aligned with my goals, like down the whole bag. So that's a two-parter. This is a food that is aligned with my goals and or I'm eating it in a way that is aligned with my goals. I'm not eating six pounds of almonds. A lot of people have been asking me, are peely nuts a healthy snack? And I think the better question is, is it a healthy snack for you? Which has a lot to do with what you love, but also where I think we miss the mark sometimes, it has a lot to do with whether or not you need fuel. Because it doesn't matter if we're talking about carrots or cupcakes. If you are turning to it when you're not hungry, when your body doesn't need fuel because you just want something to eat or because you classified it as healthy, well, healthy is not just about what is inside the thing you're eating. It's also about what is inside you. And a big part of that is how much have you eaten today? Do you really need a snack? I'm not going to stand here and say that a snack is healthy if you don't need more fuel in your system. So I think that's a really important consideration. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on peeling nuts because there have been so many questions. They are higher in fat. They are lower in carb, but they also contain all of the essential amino acids, which is rare in a food. Not rare, rare, but certainly not common for foods to be a complete protein, especially not nuts. So I love that. If you want to give them a try, they also have peely nut butter. It will be back in stock soon, and Thrive Market has the ability for you to get a reminder when it comes back in stock. So if you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential, search peely nuts, P-I-L-I, you can hit the button that says remind me when it's back in stock because so many of you have been emailing me going, when will they be back? When will they be back? I don't know. I don't work for Thrive Market, but they do have the functionality to tell you. And it is important that you use that URL, thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential if you are new to Thrive Market because when you do, when you register through, shop through thrivemarket.com forward slash primal potential, you are going to save an additional 25%, 25%, that's a lot. We're not saying 10%, 25% on your first order and you're going to get a free 30-day trial membership. On to drama. And to make today's episode even more special, this is a book club episode. It's been a while since we've done one of those. We did a book club episode with Always Hungry, with Keto Reset Diet. I'll link to those book club episodes in the show notes. 
I wanted to talk about drama today, and there is a book I love on the topic of drama. It's called No Ego by Cy Wakeman. Of course, I'll link to it in the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 570. And I read this book easily over a year ago, probably more than that. I'm trying to think of where I was living when I was reading it because I can like envision where I was sitting. Uh, So yeah, definitely more than a year ago. But I keep it in a special shelf on my bookcase that are books I reference often with my clients, whether that is in the Master's Club or the 12 Weeks to Transformation. There are probably... 10 or 15 books that I routinely pull strategies, ideas, concepts, lessons from and share them with my clients. And No Ego is definitely one of them. It's actually a book about leadership and it is, I would say, geared towards the work environment. But don't let that deter you because every single strategy and concept can be applied to the way we create drama in our own lives, in our own thoughts, and the tools can be applied to reducing that in our own lives, in our own thoughts. The reason that I have this as such a routine resource in the 12 Weeks to Transformation is because every single day, People come to me and they have created drama. Not drama in the group, drama in their own minds. Creating elaborate narratives in their own heads that are holding them back. And my own coaching philosophy, the approach that I take with any of my clients is, frankly, I'm not here to like sympathize, to give you a hug, to pat you on the head. I'm here to help you grow, right? As I say on the podcast, it's not about information. It's about transformation. It's not about sympathy. It's about change, creating change. And that always begins with helping people change the way they think. And more often than not, when we are in the thoughts, we have to identify what is real and what is drama. What is reality and what did you invent here? What is based on facts and what is based on feelings? And most importantly, what is related to the problem And what is related to the solution? This week, it just so happens that drama was a big theme in my conversations with a few of my 12 Weeks to Transformation clients. After getting their messages and exchanging some voice notes, some strategies, some thoughts from No Ego, and seeing their aha moments, seeing the way it shifted things, seeing how everything got easier for them, less stressful, less pressure, more progress, as they identified and overcame the creation of their own drama, I knew I needed to dive into this on the podcast. But I do want to challenge you to resist the urge to be defensive about this word drama. I know it's not a popular word. A lot of people are like, I'm not dramatic. Yeah, yeah, you are. We all create drama, every single one of us. And while the word drama might have a negative connotation, Don't let your ego keep you from creating progress and change and making things easier in your life because you're just committed to the story that you don't create drama, that you're not dramatic. Because you are. Because we all are. And if you can just switch your perspective from, I'm not dramatic, no really, I'm just not a dramatic person, to where might I be creating drama? Maybe not with other people. Maybe not in the prominent relationships with other people in my life, but maybe in my own head. If you just switch to, I'm curious, 
I'm not judging myself. I'm curious. Where have I created drama in my life? Then you can grow and change and create happiness much more quickly. And I can just ask you, have you ever made an assumption? Have you ever made an assumption about what somebody else meant or thought or felt? Great, that's drama. So with that, let's continue. This conversation, this topic matters so much because drama makes change harder. Drama reinforces our beliefs in our past. Drama talks us out of our potential. Drama talks us out of what we can do. It clouds our judgment. It reinforces our excuses and it erodes our confidence and our security and our ability to create change. Drama is an energy vampire. Seriously, drama is draining. Drama is energetically draining. It is emotionally draining. It is intellectually draining. When you create drama, engage in drama, dwell in drama, you are giving away energy that you could be using for happiness, for progress, for connection, for productivity. One of the things I wrote about in my book, Chasing Cupcakes, is about what happens when you leave a window open in your warm house in the winter. You've got the heat on, but it's just not seeming to get warm in the house. And it's because the heat is escaping through that open window. And no matter how high you crank the heat, how much you're investing in heating your home, as long as that window is open, you are not getting the benefit of that investment in the heat. And that is exactly what is happening in your life when you create and engage in drama. No matter how high your motivation, no matter how great your desire to change, no matter how many positive changes you are trying to create, you will not feel the intended effect if you are letting your energy escape in the form of drama. To get everybody on the same page about what drama even means, what we're talking about here, what it can look like in our own thoughts and behaviors, I want to share with you a short list that comes from Cy Wakeman's No Ego, which again, I'm going to link it up in the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 570. And I'm going to change the context, but not the content because she's writing it for the way drama shows up in like work environments. So I'm going to read it for the individual versus for the organization. Not changing the content, just changing the context. Before I share the way that it shows up, I love the way she defines drama as emotional waste. Emotional waste. It's tough, but it's true. Mentally wasteful thought processes or unproductive behavior that keeps you from delivering your highest level of results. That's how it is defined in the book. Emotional waste, mentally wasteful thought processes, or unproductive behaviors that keep you from delivering your highest level of results. And I'll add to that that it's not just about results. Mentally wasteful thought processes or unproductive behavior that keeps you from connecting with yourself, that keeps you from connecting with others. Shame. Judgment, those are dramas. Assumptions, gossip, drama. Mentally wasteful thought processes are unproductive behaviors that keep you from happiness. 
that keep you from progress. There are eight or nine different thoughts and behaviors from the book that fall into this category of drama that help us understand how it shows up in our thoughts, how it shows up in our actions, these mentally wasteful thought processes or unproductive behaviors. And as I share them with you, and I will absolutely also type them out in the show notes. So if you want to look at the list, if that helps you to process this, just go over to primalpotential.com forward slash 570. As I read these out, what I want you doing is thinking about where you have some room to grow. Which of them make you go, eh, yeah, that's me. This is where you identify where you can do some work, where you can create some change, where you can engage in some practice. And also, please don't be critical. This is not a self-condemnation process where you're like, oh my gosh, God, I'm awful at that. That's terrible. What's wrong with me? Why do I do that? Oh, you've totally got me there. That right there is drama. Drama. One of my cousin's nicknames is Drama. We say it lovingly, but yeah, since she was little, and that's really when it started, when she was like a a toddler, we call her Drama. Anyway, I still call her Drama. As I go through these, I want you to catch where you're being critical and instead be curious because you can see this as defeating, thinking, oh my God, that's me. That's so embarrassing. I feel, you know, convicted, challenged. You've got me. You've pegged me. Or... Yes, that's me and I'm so glad to see it because now I can make an improvement. Now I can be more conscious of creating a change there. Awareness is the first step in creating change. So let's go through these one at a time. These are the ways that drama can show up in our thoughts and our behaviors. The first is lack of ownership, accountability, or commitment. Keeping in mind that these are the types of mentally wasteful thought processes and behaviors that keep us from progress, that keep us from connection, that keep us from happiness. Lack of ownership, accountability, or commitment. The second is blaming circumstances or other people for your lack of results. Arguing with circumstances that are non-negotiable, like your age, like your past, drama, Wasteful thought processes and behaviors, arguing with circumstances that are non-negotiable. Resistance to change. Spreading gossip. Projecting and believing made-up stories instead of focusing on facts. This is where assumptions comes into play. We've made it up in our mind. It is not a fact. It is an assumption. Defensiveness to feedback. Again, these are mentally wasteful thought processes and unproductive behaviors, defensiveness to feedback, and dealing with hurt feelings. Mentally wasteful, unproductive. There are things that only thrive in your head, that only exist in your head, that you have straight up made up, and it's drama. 
The reason this matters is because it's holding you back. It's making change harder. It is that proverbial energy going right out the window when you are trying to create a change. When you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm trying so hard. I'm doing all of these things. It's not working. No matter how bad I want it, no matter how strong my intentions are when I wake up in the morning, it's like I don't follow through in large part because you are letting your energy and your momentum escape, your focus escape through the door of drama. Think about things that only thrive in your head. A couple of examples that stand out to me primarily because I've been working through them with some clients in the 12 Weeks to Transformation, these things that only thrive in your head, I'm worried about anything, but especially I'm worried that I'm not going to lose the weight. I'm worried about not being able to maintain this. I'm worried that I just can't control it. That only exists in your head. The future only exists in your head. The worry only exists in your head. Is that where you are losing your precious energy, motivation, and momentum through the door of drama. Another thing that only exists in your head is what you think other people are thinking about you. It only thrives in your head what you think other people are thinking about you. Are you losing your energy out the door of drama by way of giving your mental and emotional and energetic resources to what you think other people are thinking about you? That only exists in your head. You invented it. You created it. You swung the door wide open and your energetic resources are leaving in that way. What other people, what you think other people are thinking about you. And I shared in episode 569 where I brought my new teammate, Sarah, onto the show. She's a friend of mine and now she's a colleague. And we were talking about having a practice of saying uncomfortable things. That is one of the ways that we will keep drama and assumption at bay. We've got a great opportunity to practice just this, what you think other people are thinking about you. And uh, the other day we did this. We had to drive a little ways away to get another computer. And we did our sharing uncomfortable things on the drive back. And one of mine was based on what I had invented that she might be thinking or feeling about me. Very specifically, my office is being renovated, so we're working in the kitchen of the main house that also needs to be renovated that we just moved into. So there's boxes, people are coming in and out, and I was thinking about what she might be thinking about the organization, like not the company, but the organization of the home, the organization of the office, all of the interruptions. And in my head, I had created this drama about what she might be thinking about this. Emotionally wasteful, unproductive thought processes. And here's the thing. We eliminate it in this conversation, in this practice of saying uncomfortable things. I said, I have had moments of discomfort worrying about what you were thinking about this work environment. And the constant interruptions and working in the kitchen and the fact that, you know, even the kitchen needs to be renovated and all this stuff. And I had no ground of reality for that. I had totally invented it. And even if I had been right, I still had invented it in my thoughts, but I wasn't right. 
She was like, there are fewer interruptions here by a long shot than at my previous job where I would get interrupted every minute. So having five interruptions in an afternoon is is nothing. And also, I love this work environment. But my drama, making up what I think somebody else might think, gave away my energetic resources. Where do you do that? Another thing that exists only in your head is your past. It's over. The only reason it's still there is because of the energy and attention that you are giving to it. Your past only exists in your head. It does not exist in reality. It only exists in your mind. And the same thing is true with assumptions. Not only do we do this with other people, assuming what other people might think or feel, we do this with ourselves. I have been working with several clients on this in the 12 Weeks to Transformation, especially as it relates to assuming that the present will be like the past, that the future will be like the past, projecting the past onto the present, limiting the present based on the past, assuming that it's always going to be the way that it's been. That's drama. It's a story you created and are telling yourself and it only exists in your head. It's only there because you keep going there, staying there, fueling it with your energy and your attention. I seriously, at least three clients a day, we work through that and create workarounds, often more than three. You might now be feeling like you can identify where the drama is, where those opportunities are, but feel like, okay, but now what? How do I change that? It feels natural to think that way, to behave that way, to process things that way. What can we do about drama? I've got a few different strategies, some uh, that I have just come up with through my own practice and my work with clients, and some that are a combination of that along with strategies in No Ego. Again, link will be in the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 570. One of my favorite things to do in the 12 Weeks to Transformation is share how I coach myself. The way that I do this most often is we have these daily coaching audios. So every single day there is an audio message. Sometimes they're one minute, sometimes they're five minutes, but they're usually in that range just to recenter you, pull you back in, get you engaged get you connected to why you're here and what you're trying to do because I've found we really need that daily pullback. Otherwise, we start to drift and get distracted and and put other things first. This helps you stay connected and engaged every single day. And in those daily coaching audios, I would say at least once a week, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, I share how I coach myself. And I want to share one of those moments with you related to how drama showed up in my life in a very real way just the other day, and how I coached myself through it. First, I recognized that it was drama. The hurt was very real. The drama was very real. And both were totally optional. I could choose to engage in them or I could choose not to. Here's what happened. I heard from a couple different sources that someone who is a very close friend to my boyfriend and his significant other, who I'd say is like an acquaintance of mine, <laughs> they're placing bets on when my relationship is going to end, when my relationship with my boyfriend is going to end. The short version of the story, as you guys know, my boyfriend and I moved in together in January. 
And they are basically not only betting on, but sharing with other people that they've placed bets on how soon we will break up after moving in together. And if you're irritated by that, that was my reaction as well. So this came to my attention twice in the same day that this conversation, this bet was happening and that it was being shared with other people. And I went into drama. Mentally and emotionally wasteful thought processes. As I said, the, the hurt was real. The feelings are very real. The desire that it, something different had happened, that they thought differently, that they felt differently, that they acted differently and didn't spread this with other people was very real. I can wish that they didn't feel this way, wish that they didn't behave this way, wish that they would act how I would want to in this situation, like step in and and help or be on our side or, I don't know, not think bad things about us. (laughs) At a minimum, I can wish that they didn't share that with other people in the community where it's going to get back to me. And I can feel that way while avoiding emotional waste. But that's not where I started. I indulged in the drama for a good day and a half. But at some point, I realized I was just making me unhappy. I wasn't in any way resolving anything. I wasn't improving anything. I was making myself unhappy with my own thoughts. That's drama. I was just spinning my wheels. It wasn't productive. My hurt and my anger and my disappointment in the way another human chooses to feel and communicate Hello, not productive. I am not the manager of other people's feelings, other people's actions, other people's behavior. Sitting in it, stewing in it, venting about it was hurting me. So here's what I did. Here's how I coached myself through that. The first question I asked is, is this mine or is this someone else's? This situation as a whole, is it mine or is it somebody else's? It's not mine. It's straight up not mine. Yes, somebody said something about me. That happens. That will continue to happen. I choose how I react to it. So is this mine or is this somebody else's? That's theirs. How they choose to feel, how they choose to act, what they share with other people is not my business. What is mine is that I love my boyfriend and he loves me and I'm really proud of the way we're navigating living together, living together through renovations, living together while I work from home, living together with dramatically different personalities. Their actions aren't mine. Their feelings aren't mine. And I want to be the kind of person where I am my mood maker, where somebody else is not my mood maker. And we've talked about this before. I've written blogs on it before. They are not my mood maker. I am. And I do not want to give that power to somebody else. And I did for a day and a half by choice. That was on me. That wasn't on them. And then the next question I asked myself is, because I'm like, but okay, yeah, it is theirs. And I feel this way about it. So then I asked myself, am I doing something productive about it? And the answer is no. No, absolutely not. I could drive over there and have a conversation and let them know that it hurt me and request that they behave differently. 
I don't really want to be in the business of asking people to act a certain way because that sounds endless and exhausting and that's just not how I want to live my life. But it certainly is an option. I could just call these people and say, hey, I, I just want you to know that this this got to me and, and it hurts me. For whatever that's worth to you, I just wanted you to know. I don't feel like that would be very productive. I don't choose to do that right now. So if I don't choose to do anything productive about it, I also choose to not do things that are unproductive about it. If I'm going to stay in my feelings about it, then I need to hold myself to a standard of resolving it, of trying to make it better. But I just don't feel in my gut that I want to take that step. Maybe I will at some point. So I just decided I'm not going to do something productive about it. So I'm not going to do something unproductive about it either. I'm going to release it. And the way I release it is just redirecting my attention onto something else. Like what is mine? What is mine is that I'm good with my relationship. And that's really all that matters. And I don't care if I have to redirect to that 10,000 times or 10 times before I stop going to this situation. I'm willing to do that work because I am a creative, energetic problem solver. It doesn't help me to run through how I wish they would think or feel or communicate. It's not my business. Not everybody is going to feel or behave or conduct themselves as I wish they would or as I conduct myself. My unhappiness came from this gap between how I would hope they'd feel and act and how they did feel and act. And that leads to a life of misery if every time there is a gap between how I hope somebody will feel or behave or act and how they do leads to my unhappiness. That is not an existence that I am willing to create for myself. I'm just not going to live that way. So I coached myself through that moment by saying, is this my problem or somebody else's? Is this my business or somebody else's? Am I trying to control somebody else? Nope, 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 nope. And am I doing something productive to resolve it? And if I'm not willing to create this solution, then stay the heck out of the problem. That helps me get over the drama. And when my thoughts return to it, I'll just use those questions again. Is this my problem or somebody else's? Is this my business or somebody else's? Am I trying to control somebody and their thoughts and behaviors? And am I willing to live that way? Do I want to live that way? And am I going to do something productive about it? The other question that I ask myself, and this is a tool I use in the 12 Weeks to Transformation daily, What actually happened without my feelings about what happened? What is the difference between what actually happened and how I feel about what happened? Well, what actually happened is that somebody expressed that they think my relationship will end and they've made a bet about it. Okay. Realistically, they're allowed to do that. I don't get to decide what people do or don't do. And here's the deal, too. I have similar feelings about certain relationships that I don't think are forever relationships. Whether I should make an assessment like that or I shouldn't isn't really the point. If I'm being very honest with myself here and staying out of drama and defensiveness, there are relationships that I don't think will last. And here's the other thing that's very true. They spend like no time with us. Really, truly, there are reasons for that that aren't 
relevant with in terms of making sure that I'm not being really obvious about who I'm talking about. Um, but they're not in a position to spend any real time with us together. In fact, I would say in the last two plus years of the relationship, we've probably spent a total of three hours in two plus years with them, like the four of us. So, I mean, why do I care what they think based on that? And my perception of that three hours was that like it was good. (laughs) So if that's how they feel afterwards, like they just, I don't know, not my business, right? But when I ask that question, like what actually happened without my feelings about what happened? A couple who has spent no real time with us as a couple doesn't think that we'll stay together and has placed a wager on it. Like, okay, again, there are relationships that I am aware of that I don't think will last decades. So am I just mad that they made a bet about it? Am I mad that they're gossiping about it? Again, they get to choose what they do. They're allowed to feel that way. They are allowed to feel that way. I don't want to be the kind of person who insists that everybody needs to act the way I act, the way I think they should act. I'm not the moral authority here. My standards aren't somebody else's. And who am I to act like they should live by my code? Ready then? Then I got a really, um, trying to think of the right word. I got the most welcome kick in the face, like it was so good for me, when I opened up No Ego and I saw, it's like early in the book, she writes, venting is your ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. Venting is your ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. When we vent, we make it about something or somebody other than us. So when I was venting about this situation, I was making it about them, their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, their behaviors. But venting is your ego's way. It's a defense mechanism. It's a protective mechanism. Venting is your ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. If I stop venting and I make it about me, why do I care? Why am I trying to curate somebody else's behavior? Why am I sitting here arguing for the fact that somebody else should live by my code? When I stop venting and I make it about me, how do I feel about my relationship? That's all. Later that day, after I sort of had this realization and I and I opened up No Ego for another client, And I saw this thing about venting being your ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. I'm standing in line at Whole Foods. And the cashier that was checking me out wasn't talking to me. She hadn't looked up at me. She hadn't spoken to me yet. She was in a conversation with another coworker. They were both standing there at the register talking to each other. And they were in an emotional conversation, clearly. Like, you know how you can just tell when somebody's like venting or gossiping or whatever? And plus I could hear them. And finally, one of them looked up and was like, Sorry, they said this to me. Sorry, I was just telling her about how my husband pissed me off this morning. And of course, going through my mind was like, venting is your ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. When I vent, when you vent, when any of us vent about a work situation or somebody else, when I vent about my boyfriend, 
It's a defense mechanism. Instead, engage in self-reflection. What's my role in this? What matters most to me? How do I feel about me and my choices and my behaviors, the things that I can control? The other thing that uh, Cy Wakeman says about ego and drama is that our ego is brilliant at finding insult where none is intended. Ooh, hello. I'm going to say that one more time. Our ego is brilliant at finding insult where none is intended. How often does this happen? That your colleague sends an email or your family member says something at a, at a dinner or your spouse does something and you decide that there is a negative intent, an insult, a big affront to you. You weren't thinking about me. You didn't care. When in reality, they do care. They did care. They just aren't you. They don't have to operate the way you operate. They aren't here to think or feel or react as you would have them. We are not the grand, you know, choir master, orchestra conductor of other people's behavior. You know? So Sai Wakeman has uh, some great tools for identifying and overcoming drama. And I love, 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 love that they're in the form of questions. Because if you've read Chasing Cupcakes, you know that I believe questions are one of the most powerful tools in the world. They are free and they are always accessible. Some of the questions in the book, and uh, I will put these in the show notes over at primalpotential.com forward slash 570. What do I know for sure? What is my part in this? What are my ideas for resolving the issue? What am I going to do today to help? Ready for this one? I love this one. Am I grounded in reality? What actually happened? These are amazing tools for fear, for gossip, for stress, for hurt, for all emotionally wasteful or unproductive thoughts and behaviors. Inside my winter group of the 12 Weeks to Transformation, which is going into week nine right now, our next group kicks off um, in just a few weeks. Just a few weeks. I cannot wait. Um, somebody in the, in the winter group shared with me that she went on vacation with a friend and her friend was frustrated that she wasn't drinking while they were on vacation. So the the person in the 12 Weeks of Transformation was the one not drinking and was expressing to me that her friend was really frustrated. And she asked me, you know, what can I do to make sure that people don't get frustrated by my choices? You can't. There's nothing you can do to manage somebody else's reaction. But you can control your own. Right? And you can recognize when you're trying to manage somebody else's feelings. You can recognize when you are in somebody else's business. When you are in somebody else's expectations. And return to your own. Again and again and again, return to your own. And make sure that you are being a creative, energetic problem solver. That is one of the tenets of the 12 Weeks to Transformation. Being a creative, energetic problem solver. It's one of our most powerful tools. We aren't there to talk about the patterns of the past or to talk about what's hard or to beat ourselves up and indulge self-doubt. 
we are in there collectively returning again and again and again, helping each other return again and again and again to being creative, energetic problem solvers. The question that I come back to over and over and over and over again, dozens of times a day with almost everybody I talk to, are you being a creative, energetic problem solver or is this emotional waste? Are you participating in the problem or are you in the solution What actually happened is a question that is a tool we use daily in that 12-week group. Let's say somebody is all worked up. I'm sure most of us can relate to this. I know I can. All worked up because you guys are going to just, I think, totally connect with this. All worked up because they overate. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? I did it again. Why can't I change? This is so frustrating. No matter how bad I want it, I keep going back to this thing. And even though I knew I shouldn't, it was like I just didn't care. I stepped outside of my body and I just kept eating and eating and eating and eating. And I woke up this morning and I'm so frustrated and I just don't know what's wrong with me. And I will say, I will say it in the Facebook group. I will say it if we're on the phone. I will say it in email. What actually happened The facts without the drama. And very recently somebody said, okay, without the drama, without the story, I ate too much trail mix. And I'll say, okay, we're we're better. You've stripped away the like, what's wrong with me? Awesome. But too much is a judgment. What actually happened without your interpretation? Just facts. Okay, I ate a lot of trail mix. A lot is a judgment. What actually happened? I ate trail mix. And in just 30 seconds, sometimes 20 seconds, sometimes five seconds, we're like, I just made a choice. I just put stuff in my mouth. There's really no drama unless I invent it. When you strip it all away, you see that the trail mix isn't the problem. Your elaborate narrative and infusion of drama that gets you worked up and creates all of this judgment and negativity and fear and self-doubt It didn't come from the nuts, unless you're nuts, in which it came from you. You're nuts. Not the nuts. You're nuts. I feel like there's an audio clip in there somewhere. (laughs) You get the point. The problem isn't the the trail mix. The problem is your drama. Fortunately for you, your narrative and your thoughts that created the drama, it's also the solution. Because that's the same path you take to simplify and strip away everything that is emotionally wasteful and unproductive. Now, this conversation is just the starting point. I want to continue this discussion about where drama shows up and most importantly, what you're going to do differently, what questions you're going to use to step out of the drama, out of the problem, into the simple solution that's based in reality. I want to continue that over in the Free Primal Potential Facebook group. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you know that just about a week ago, I opened up a totally free Primal Potential Facebook group that will allow us to continue the dialogue about these podcasts and make sure that we aren't just hearing it and moving on to the next aspect of life or moving on to the next episode, but that we're really practicing these concepts. So join me over in that group. You can go to the show notes page for today's episode to get the link, or you can just go to primalpotential.com forward slash Facebook, and it will redirect you there. 
The conversation I'd like to continue over there is where have you added drama to your life and what tools are you going to use to create a change today? I'm so excited to continue this conversation because this episode is really just the beginning to use it as a tool in your life to become proficient in coaching yourself through those moments where you've generated drama, where you are in mentally and emotionally wasteful thought processes and unproductive behaviors is really going to Our ability to do that is going to hinge on how we practice. And I think the conversation in the Facebook group and the engagement and the community there is really going to help. So go to primalpotential.com forward slash Facebook to do that. And of course, I want to wrap up with one of your wins. I love sharing your wins. Please keep them coming. You can send them to me over at primalpotential.com forward slash inbox or you can comment on the show notes. You can direct message me on Instagram. But this one says... Today, I'm really grateful for the 12 Weeks to Transformation, for Primal Potential and all it encompasses. Without realizing it, my attitude to self-care and stress reduction over a very stressful time of my life has had a major impact on how I'm getting through. And now I'm trying to take impeccable care of myself, to make it easier for myself, to keep my mind sharp and my energy high and realizing how crucial it is at stressful times, which is such a perspective shift to previous stressful times. And the added bonus is that I feel calmer and I'm enjoying the process so much more. I love that. And I want to remind you guys that registration for our next 12 Weeks to Transformation which for the first time is going to include a physical identity journal that you will get in the mail. And I cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. Registration opens up in just a couple of weeks. Our official kickoff date, day one of the spring 12 weeks to transformation is April 7th. But registration opens in less than two weeks. So make sure that you go to the show notes for today's episode or that you go straight to primalpotential.com forward slash transform to get on the wait list so that you can get more details and be notified as soon as registration is open. Primalpotential.com forward slash transform. And whether the 12 Weeks to Transformation is for you or not, definitely plan to join me in the Facebook group because that's how we make sure that we take these ideas and strategies from the podcast and put them into action in our lives. Primalpotential.com forward slash Facebook. Can't wait to continue the conversation about this episode and overcoming drama so we can accelerate progress over there. Chat soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.